Hi everyone, it's Dina McKay, and I'm back with a brand new episode of Black Tech Unplugged, the podcast that allows Blacks in tech to share their authentic stories with you, the listener. On each episode, the guest talks about how they got into tech, their work in the industry, and lessons they've learned during their journey. You can find full show notes for this episode on blacktechunplugged.com. Before I jump into details for this episode, I do want to remind everyone this is the last episode of the season. I know that some of you might be a little bit upset, but that's okay. I'm starting to plan for 2023, which means that new episodes will start off again in January of 2023. So be excited for that. And also in the meantime, if you want to keep up with all things Black Tech Unplugged and you want to continue to have resources and get tips and advice, follow the accounts on social media. So Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, follow Black Tech Unplugged. It's the same on all three platforms. So while I'm on hiatus, make sure to follow social media. Also continue to listen to the past episodes and it would really help me if you leave some reviews. So if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, go and leave a written review for me. And then also, if you're listening on Spotify, make sure to rate the episodes or rate the podcast itself with five stars. All right, now let's get into the final episode of the season. So I wanted to dedicate this episode to someone from the UK because it is Black History Month in the UK. And so I have a former colleague, Andre Hitchman, who is the guest for this episode. Andre is a child of the UK, and he is born and raised in South London to parents from Guyana and Jamaica. And so he has, from an early age, shown interest in technology. He tinkered with computers, he built websites, and these are all the hobbies he had while he was in school. And so in order to continue with his curiosity, he decided to pursue a degree in computer science from Hull University in the UK. Since then, he has spent his professional career at Ken and Carta, and that's where we met. And he has been a software engineer specializing in Android mobile development work as a consultant building technology products. And he's worked for some of the UK and the world's leading brands, such as Tesco, Shell, and Santer Bank. And so... Also, while being a software engineer, he is the co-founder of his own community, and the community is called Zentos, and it was something that he set up after graduating from university, and this was out of his frustration and lack of support from being in an underrepresented background for those who wanted to pursue a career in tech. So you'll learn more about his organization within the episode. So on this episode today, we talk about Andre's career and how he got into tech, why building community and staying curious is very important if you want to be successful in the tech industry, as well as how you can continue to build up your tech skills while being a software engineer. So I hope you enjoy this episode. And if you do, rate and subscribe on whatever platform you're listening to the episode today. And also, as I mentioned, this is the last episode of the season, so I appreciate everyone who's been listening to all the episodes up to this point, and I really hope that you will join me back in January of 2023 to hear the new season because I have some really great guests lined up. All right, thanks for listening, and now let's jump into the episode. Let's get it. Hi, 
everyone, and welcome to a brand new episode of Black Tech Unplugged. I am joined today by another person across the pond, Andre Hitchman. Andre, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so a little background is Andre and I used to work at the same company, but obviously I was based in the States. Andre is based in the UK. But Andre, for my listeners who don't know anything about you and they'll know by the end of this episode, I do want to start off with a brief introduction of yourself. So why don't you go ahead and take that away? Yeah, my name is Andre. I work at Kinnan Carter as a software engineer, specializing in Android mobile app development. I've been with Kinnan Carter for about six years now. So I joined as a graduate and worked my way through there. So yeah, I'm based in the UK, in London, born and bred here. And Outside of Kinnan Carter as well, I am a co-founder of an organization called Zuntos. Um, now, Zuntos was set up um, as soon as I left university, um, basically out of frustration between um, the mentoring opportunities and the support that people from underrepresented backgrounds in tech were not getting. So when I was in university, I didn't have any like guidance or support on how to apply for graduate roles and uh, what they were specifically looking for. So yeah, when I left university, uh, me and my co-founder founded Zuntos, and it's basically a space and a community for people to best equip themselves for a career in te- tech industry. And it's focused on people from underrepresented groups. Mm-hmm. So that's my background. That's me. Excellent. And we're going to dive more into Zuntos later in the episode. So I'm excited to learn more about that because it's a a little bit of an issue everywhere, right? Where Mm -hmm. we get all the skills, but what do we do with it? Exactly. Okay. So Andre, want to start the conversation and just go through your journey as a software engineer. So my first question is, how did you even know software engineering was a career that you could get into? I didn't. (laughs) So... When I was in school, we used to call it ICT, so Information Communication Technology. And back then, it's not too long ago, actually, back then, ICT was mostly, do you know how to use Microsoft Excel or PowerPoint? Very basic kind of computer computer stuff. But I was always more interested in what goes on behind the scenes. So from an early age, for me, I was always keen on the tech. I was a gamer, but I would also like try to tinker with any tech we had in the house. So when my mom got a computer for me when we, we were younger, I wanted to like set up Wi-Fi. So I learned about how to set that up and I learned about, you know, setting up your own network, trying to set up wireless printing. I even got so curious, I ventured out, I wanted to build my own PC from scratch. Um, so we went to a computer fair here in the UK and bought all the parts. My dad, stepdad took me, bought all the parts, the RAM, the motherboard, uh, learned all, all about that. And it just kept sparking my interest to the point where one time during the summer holidays, I didn't have any activities planned or anything. But I wanted to, you know, just pique my interest. And I, I found an activity for my age group that was teaching people how to build computers. It was about a two, three day course. I signed up and I went, I learned how to build computers and someone there was an instructor there. 
and he mentioned to me some course called computing at university. So I, I was beginning to finish my high school and look into what I wanted to do next. And university was one of the next avenues. Didn't know what to do. I thought I should do ICT. But yeah, he mentioned computing or computer science. And I didn't have a clue what that meant at the time. Even when I applied and got into the course, I still didn't really know what it meant. But I, it was one of the best decisions I did. I'm so grateful to that instructor for recommending it to me because I, I never looked back ever since. So from their recommendation, I did a degree in computer science and learned about like programming specifically. But funny enough, at the end of my degree, I actually didn't want to be a programmer. I wanted to be a UI UX designer. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Something completely different. I mean, it's not the exact same thing. <laughs> Definitely not. <laughs> what made you want to have that career switch before actually fully getting into the software engineering field? So honestly, when I was doing the course, I loved it. But I, I did notice that I worked at a slower pace to my peers. Now, this doesn't mean I didn't get like a good grade compared to my peers in the class. It just took me a lot longer time to get there. And I always was fearful that in the industry, if I work at that pace, I'm going to struggle or I'm going to get fired or I didn't think that employees would want that. So it gave me doubts about my ability. And to put some background and content into that, um, in school, I was screened for dyslexia. So I knew I had some kind of learning difficulty. I knew a divergence. So I was aware of that. And I didn't hear or see anything around employees supporting people with learning difficulties. So I, based on my experience at uni and going into the workplace, felt it would be a much more stricter. <laughs> I was fearful of that. So it gave me doubt. So I was trying to push to something what I felt was more comfortable for me to do. It would still push me, but not in the way that programming would. Yeah, that's that's why I, I had those doubts. And what ended up happening is I was applying for graduate roles. I wasn't getting like any callbacks or anything. So I felt very disheartened. But it, it wasn't it wasn't until one of the roles that I did apply for, someone actually came back to me. It was my first one. I think my first and only one. They got back to me and said, hey, we want to invite you to an assessment center. I think you're really great. And I was honest to them. I think I told them, I don't think this is a role for me. I don't feel confident. I, I don't want to do this. And mm-hmm. they really spent the time to like persuade me. You're actually great you got this, you can do this. And I think you would be great at this software engineering graduate role. And to be honest, that one conversation changed my mind for the rest of my career. Like I, from that stage, I applied for more software engineering roles and I believed in myself again, that this is something that I want to do. 
I didn't end up getting that role because at the very last moment when they were offering positions, they uh, retracted them or that can happen sometimes. So, but I was fine and I ended up landing at KNC. So it was uh, my, my fate to end, to end up in KSC, <laughs> but it was, it was a great, yeah, great stepping stone. Let's unpack some of that there because you experienced a lot on just that little bit of your journey. And so I want to make sure that the listeners fully understand everything that you went through. So let's start off with the, I believe you could call it a computer fair, right? That's where you went and your stepfather took you and you start learning all the different types of, I'll say types of activities that you can do in tech. We'll put it that way. First off, because on stateside, I don't think that we have anything called a computer fair. So let's start off by defining what a computer fair is. Yeah, I, the easiest way I can describe it is just think of a like a market, like a food market. So there's loads of traders with their brands mm-hmm. and they are selling different computer parts. So I guess like a trade fair. And yeah, you go around the trade fair, meet all the different traders and buy your different parts for them. Now, what difference does that make to go into a store? The trade fair or the computer fair is cheaper prices because they're at trade prices. So yeah, that's that's what a computer fair is. Okay, so that's helpful. So it's almost like a little bit of a career day <laughs> because <laughs> there's different as you say, trades, it's really different careers or different technology perspectives, probably at each of the stands or areas. So it's like you get to go and have these conversations and really learn what's going on from a tech perspective. Yeah, like for example, I remember going around and there was one person who was selling motherboard and then another person who was actually selling chips like CPU or another person selling hard drives. And they were going around asking me, what's your spec? Like how much RAM do you want? What do you want to actually do? Are you going to be gaming or are you just programming? And like, I didn't know these, these things at the time. So I was going around like trying to learn and understand. Yeah, there's a lot that goes into it, building a computer. Yes, yes. Okay, so that's in a little bit different. I haven't heard anyone actually on the podcast have that experience, but even going a step further, as you continue to progress and go to school and graduate school, like you mentioned, to study computer science slash engineering, not really computer science, but programming. And a common theme that I was hearing within your story is other people giving you advice to get you onto the right path. And I want to touch on that because as individuals who are Black and in tech, I feel like obviously we never saw our parents doing this role, right? Like our parents are not software engineers. Our parents are not project managers. And just want to touch on that theme of providing advice and tips for getting into tech. And do you feel like that has been a theme throughout your entire career? I know for me, that definitely has, because even from the perspective of understanding what an internship is or learning that there's different areas in tech, it always came from an external source. And I actually followed the tips or advice, which is also a key part of this process. Yeah, I would say so. Like one common thing I realized, my, my group of friends who I hang out with, like they were applying for similar roles 
and okay. they were getting callbacks and offers and we got around the same grades but mm-hmm. i wasn't and i was confused like how come you're getting these so these are friends that don't look like me so they're not they're not black so yeah. i was like how come you're getting roles but i'm not and they were baffled as well like they don't they didn't get it to be honest i don't know the specific why it was happening but at least from my side i really did feel like i just didn't know how to navigate my connections properly or i didn't have enough connections and specific advice it's only when i was going through the process and getting rejected so many times i was researching or the people who i was speaking to recruiters etc were suggesting yeah. these kind of things i shouldn't have had to get so many rejections to you know finally realize how to get a job i i, I thought that beforehand or you know i should have got equipped and my uni did give like cv advice but they didn't really give some other advice around specifically on how to have a great portfolio it was it was more like a tick box exercise when you apply you need to have a cv portfolio and oh that was about it <laughs> there's so many other things that you need to know about when it comes to applying from your perspective because based on your experience and everything that you've learned at this point for anyone listening let's actually provide them when you're applying for a job especially as a software engineer what are the real things that you need <laughs> in order to be successful in your process so obviously you need a cv up to date cv and there's a lots of inf- lots of things you can do to make that great but i would say keep it lean so most relevant experts for the role that you're applying for so if you're applying for different companies make it relevant for all of those different companies so that means you'll have different cvs for different places next is as if you're applying for programming specifically or any kind of tech role actually have a portfolio that demonstrates your skills so even if you're a junior still have something like that so like a github account you know any kind of thing that you've worked on in your own time and employers love to say this i think people might hear this a lot employers do love to actually see people's portfolio and they do actually look <laughs> it just shows that you actually are keen on your craft like you actually want to to learn and um try things on your own and, and just demonstrate your skill sets a bit and then some other things to be aware of is have someone else that can be there for you in terms of listening to you and helping you practice for interviews i think there's like two kind of things to to remember there if you're new to interviewing you'll need practice if you have an interview for a long while you need practice so if you could find someone this could be a, a friend or someone you know in the industry that you're comfortable with that can just be there to like help you run through a couple of questions that you think the employer might ask just so you get into the habit of interviewing again if you're a junior then you might not have that connection but there's communities such as like Zuntos and other communities that you could tap into and get that kind of help to practice and they'll give you so many tips and tricks for that. And I'll actually put in a plug here so I've been doing career coaching 
And so that's one of the services that I offer is doing some interview prep and asking for me, I always practice like the typical questions that even if it's just something as simple as tell me about yourself, that's a question that you think you could just go in and like spit fire and say randomly, but there's actually a method to the madness when it comes to answering questions, especially from a tech company perspective, because they're looking for specific clues to hear you say about yourself. So definitely agree on that. And then also, Andre, a little piece that we have talked about, but we didn't explicitly say, here's your network. And that's just like to continuously be networking and building up your contacts because when you apply for a job, who doesn't want to be referred in by someone who already works there? So it's always good to continue to build your network as well. I want to add to that, like if you can get referred, that is your biggest like ally. <laughs> like I that's one thing I really learned more so when I got into Kinankata. If someone refers you, it's so much more easier because the way how these systems work when you submit a CV, at least for some of the big tech companies, they're actually using like automated systems to scan your CV for keywords. Whereas if you get a referral, it kind of kind of bypasses that a bit and goes straight to a, like someone on the team and they can basically give you feedback, yes or no. Because otherwise you're waiting for your CV to be reviewed by these systems and because of the volume of people, you may never get a response. So yeah, referrals are, are awesome. Yes, referrals are basically like gold when it comes to applying for jobs. Before we move forward and talk about your overall career and what you've done since being out of uni, do you want to circle back and talk about the organization that you created? So Zuntos, what is it? Yes, so Zuntos, to give credit to my co-founder, who is called Ola, by the way, was a name he came across that means together. So Zuntos means together. And that's perfect because that's the community that we're building. So let me explain what Zuntos is first. So Zuntos is a community for those that are underrepresented in the tech field. So by underrepresented, these are people who typically, at least in the workforce, you don't see much of. So this could be, it could be Black people, it could be people of disability, it could be from the LGBTQ plus community. So we support them. And we specifically mostly target early careers and graduates. So how do we do that? We do that through organizing like CV reviews, mock interviews, workshops. So workshops around agile practices. So we're basically telling them what to expect in the tech field. So when we do workshops, we're basically simulating some of those those things they were going to be doing from day one. So yeah, like agile. Yeah, and we do lots of workshops and we basically build in a community where they feel safe to explore, safe to try different things and basically connect with people. That's one of the biggest things that we can provide to people who join Zuntos is connections. Connections to help them learn, connections to help them find jobs, that's what we're building and all of this came about because as I I shared in my background 
for me, I really struggled navigating, finding a, a graduate job. And I had my, my reasons, as I was mentioning around my self-doubt, but also just navigating that space of uh, graduate roles, like understanding I didn't know, you know, how these companies' CV systems work, you know, scanning for keywords. I didn't have interview practice, like verbally. I had like a GitHub portfolio, but there was something's missing. So I was like, why, why do people have to suffer? They don't need to suffer like I did. Why not try and change that? So that's why we created Zuntos out of that frustration. My co-founder was going through the same thing. So yeah, we came together with a common frustration and created Zuntos straight, straight away after we graduated, basically. So. We graduated in the summer of 2016 and created um, Zuntos in that same sun- summer. And we, we've been going ever since. I think that's wonderful that you all created that because I think that's an essence that the tech industry is missing now is the whole reason that tech even started was if there was an issue or tech or tech individuals could come along and help create a solution. So you all saw an issue or gap, and you all create the organization to help bridge that gap. And I think that's so wonderful. So thank you for that. And for people who are listening to this podcast and might be interested in joining the Zuntos community, is that online or only based in the UK or both? Well, uh, to be honest, our UK-based events, because all of the team is in the UK, However, that doesn't mean we don't want to be international. We, we do. So wherever we can, we do try to have like virtual events. So last year we, hold, we held like a virtual careers fair. So we do cater for people outside UK as well. So yeah, we can, people can reach us on our socials and see our events, whether that's in, in person in UK or virtually anywhere across the world. Excellent. Excellent. I will definitely make sure to share all that information in the show notes for this episode. So everyone make sure to check that out. And Andre, for the last half of our conversation, we have yet to touch on your experience in the workplace after getting your job post uni. So let's go into that and just talk about some of the lessons that you've learned. So you've been at KNC for quite a while. And what has your experience been like? What have you learned since getting your first corporate job? <laughs> yeah. Oh, what can I say? There's so much to unpack there. <laughs> when I came into this role as a graduate, I had, let's say I had 5% industry knowledge. So that 5% was that one university module I did for about a couple of months where I tried out Android development. And so I, when I came into KNC, I was literally going off all the talk. <laughs> I gave a lot of talk, I say, <laughs> and I was interviewing. I had nothing to show apart from my talk and my motivation and a few projects I did at university. So I joined, basically I joined and I was going through training as a graduate. So they rotate me around different departments or different teams and I learned different trades 
or different crafts. I think one of the biggest things that hit me is this is not university anymore. Maybe people don't realize this. I certainly didn't. That university has so much flexibility. I, I know we have lectures at certain times, but after than that, you're free to do whatever you want. It's not a rigid nine to five. <laughs> In the workplace, it's nine to five and you're employed to do that within those hours. <laughs> it's not that I can decide to do my work at, I don't know, 2 p.m. and then leave the rest of the day. <laughs> at uni, like at uni, it doesn't work that way. So <laughs> that was my biggest shock. <laughs> and I had to navigate how to do that. I had to continue like to have my hunger for learning because I did have a massive hunger for learning. And yeah, I just I just did that in my first like year or two at at um at Kim and Carter. And Kim and Carter is was great for me and is great for me in terms of learning because we're a consultancy and we we run projects that are in different industries. So mm-hmm. Within like two years, I joined. I probably was. I worked in like three different project teams in three different industries. So wow. although I, yeah, <laughs> so although I've been at Kinnan Carter for a while, I like to tell people that I've actually been in like three different jobs or six different jobs <laughs> <laughs> because um, when I'm on a project team, I'm placed or embedded in other companies, tech teams. Mm. So I've seen from the insides how companies work for their technology or products. And that's unique. Like uh, if you're working for a product company, maybe like at Google or Facebook or something, you just learn about Facebook or Google kind of stuff. Whereas for me, I was learning about different industries. So I learned about e-commerce industry i was learning about barcodes like there's a lot to to that <laughs> there's a different type of barcodes and stuff that i just had no clue about <laughs> then i learned about the energy industry specifically in the uk and there's so much information there i had no clue about so i'm like gaining like industry focused knowledge just from like a high level point of view and then technical point of view and it's even to this day I'm learning something new every day. And I'm not joking there. I actually, I really am learning something new every day. So what I try to do as well is, and I'm still trying to figure this out, is keeping that energy to learn something new outside of work. So when I was in university, I, I had so many different, like, small sample projects I was doing. And I was trying to learn about making web, web websites but also making Android apps. And then I was learning about Python and then some data stuff. <laughs> I had tried so many different things, I didn't finish them. <laughs> At work now, I don't have as much time. When, when I finish work, I'm exhausted. So yeah. I'm trying to <laughs> navigate, you know, with what little time I have outside of work, <laughs> how can I use it to keep learning? So. I used to have more bigger projects. I've scaled it down to something much smaller and more specific. Something that I can pick up easily, like one hour after work this week and then another hour after work next week. Like something I can keep picking up. Because I found 
I had this big ambitious project. I try and do it. I do a little bit. And then after a while, I'm exhausted. I just complete out exhausted. I have no more energy. I don't do it for like a month or two. And then I forgot what I'm doing. Just like, oh, just stitch this project now. I do appreciate that you mentioned the part about staying curious because tech is changing every day. So you can't just get a particular role and not continue to learn because you'll fall behind like within even a month worth of time if you don't keep up with the latest things that are happening. So really appreciate your comment about being curious because if we're not curious in these roles, we won't be successful. And then also speaking of learning, but when you first started at Ken and Carter, you mentioned talking the talk in regards to getting the role and then you did Android engineering, correct? So for people who are in a similar situation as you and you have to learn as you go, what tips or advice and even some resources do you have in regards to learning Android engineering, especially when you're on the job? One of the amazing things that I've learned at this company, and I've seen at a lot of companies actually, is the concept of a community of practice. So in kindergarten, at least in, in Europe, we have community of practice. So community of practice is shaped around your craft. So this is, there's one for Android. And every week, all the Android developers come together and we knowledge share. So we prepare workshops, presentations, or just have chit chat. And it's through those knowledge sharing sessions is where I learned a lot about learning Android. So it was a community. So there was people who had been doing Android um, for like years and they'd be sharing things and I'll be learning from them. And then I would ask them about certain things and they would recommend you should learn this or you should learn that. And then they will also support me. So I've gone away and learned this and tried that. I've showed them and then they give me more advice. So a community is a great way to learn Android or any programming, software, engineering stuff. And there's so many online these days, like for Android specifically, you can go on um, Android website by Google and they've set up like lots of virtual like learning paths for people. So it's a, you can have a combination of just learning through tutorials on, on the website, or you can actually join virtual like Zoom calls and mingle with people and ask them questions and learn or join in like Slack channels. So that there's a lot, a lot out there now for learning. And specifically for me, I'm, I'm quite a visual learner and I like to listen to things as well. So I go on YouTube for Android stuff, many great channels out there. And I read a specific blog as well that I can share to you, Dina, and can put it in the show notes for people that are interested. It gives a great lowdown on learning Android specifically. It's on different levels, so beginner, medium, advanced. Those are great resources as well. So I will definitely add that to the show notes. Thank you so much, Andre. And also just to stay on the same theme of our episode of 
learning and sharing resources. I want to know what is your top lesson that you've learned in your role for this year? You know, I've actually started doing this thing where I'm gathering feedback about myself for my peers. So self-reflection, if I just summarize it, self-reflection. So what what I'm doing is I've done a piece of work and then at the end of the week, I would ask maybe like my tech lead or my project, my lead, my my manager, let's say. And I'll just say, hey, I've done this piece of work. Um, you looked at it. You've seen how I performed. Is there anything that you felt I'd done really well in? Or, some, or is there anything that I could do better in? And I'm just gathering that feedback week by week. And it's really quite powerful like if self-reflection is a powerful tool it not only helps you like see where you can be better but also it can help reassure what you're doing really well because some people might have doubts like is this actually like the thing I'm doing is this actually good um does it actually help (laughs) so you can grab some like receipts on on you know this week, you know, I gave this amazing presentation and my whole team liked it. So you're building like a backup of great things you've done. But also at the same time, you're, you're seeing where you can be improving and you can use that to feed back into, okay, I got this piece of advice that I need to improve on this piece. Okay, how can I do that? I've got something to start off with. I'll find a way to, to, to be better in there. So. That's that's one thing. Self-awareness is key, right? Just being Mm -hmm. that awareness of how you're doing and also get feedback. But what if you get some really strong feedback that maybe you don't agree with or it kind of takes you back? How do you receive that feedback and understand like, hey, I need to make a change because as we know, sometimes we get a little bit in our ego and we don't think that we need to change or, you know, we get upset about it, which being upset is a natural reaction. But how do you move past that? Um, you will get upset. <laughs> I, I won't lie. <laughs> <laughs> you definitely will. <laughs> what can I say? It's like you have to you have to approach it in the sense that this is feedback. Come of it in a positive way, I will say. So you know you're going to get feedback immediately before you even get it. Think of it as a positive. <laughs> I mean, it, it really does wonders. You got you might get hit with a really negative feedback, right? But you, at least for me, at least my mindset is already positive. So now I've got the negative feedback. I don't like it. I disagree with it. I hate it. I hate everyone that wrote it. Like, I'm just furious. Mm-hmm. But I'm having that positive mindset, okay, and I'm reading the feedback and I'm trying to defuse myself from being angry. So sometimes that means just stepping away from that feedback and come back to it in a day or two. And you might find that your mood has changed. It's like, okay, what can I pick out from this feedback that is actually useful for me? Because I've had feedback in the past that, to be honest, I don't like at all, 
but there's something in there that is actually a little bit useful for me. I'm yeah. not saying all of it. <laughs> so you have the power to choose the feedback that is actually useful. But I, I really encourage, like, do try and find something of use in that negative feedback and use that as a stepping stone and then throw away the rest. <laughs> Because, <laughs> um, um, yeah, we, we all get upset. Ego is a self ego, is, is real. We all have egos. It's not easy to control. So, yeah, just take it with a pinch of salt. And remember, you, you can disregard the feedback, <laughs> but do, do try and at least learn something from it because not all feedback is, you know, just to attack you. There is some, something genuine in there you can learn to be or do something better. Yes, I definitely agree. Also want to add on to not internalize feedback because I think sometimes, especially as people of color, when we get negative feedback, we think that's who we are, if that makes sense. And we are definitely not those things. So don't internalize it and like take that on your journey with you. Like you said, some of it, just throw it away. (laughs) You don't have to keep it in your mind or you are not actually that person just based on the feedback that you receive for that one thing. So definitely great advice. And Andre, to wrap up our conversation today, so we've talked through your career through university, actually getting a software engineering or programming role. I do want to ask for people who are listening to this episode, let's say they are taking classes and doing all these side projects to get into software engineering. What tips or advice do you have for them to get into the tech industry? Definitely join, try and join like a community that you can relate to. So for me, if I had something like Zuntos, I would have joined. Just like-minded people who you can relate to are in the industry. So I could learn from, them. I guess, any kind of answer that you may be thinking of or how it thought about, yeah. So they can give you career advice, see me tips, interview prep, etc. So that's that's the biggest thing I would recommend. Like join a find a community, whether it's through Twitter or where wherever I find that community. That's that's the biggest thing I, I would recommend if you want to get into tech. Andre, so again, you provided a lot of great information, but I want to open the floor. Anything that we didn't discuss or any tips or advice that you have for people who are listening to this episode, now's your time to share. Just generally, like anyone that was getting to the industry, whether you're an early career, so someone finishing university or college, uh, or someone who's transitioning. So maybe you worked in a different field, like a lawyer, and then you want to get into tech. There's a lot of things out there nowadays where you can join like boot camps or join like online courses. These are really great ways to, to learn and have that community. But also, yeah, as I said just now, like try to find a, like a other community where you can ha- go to meetups and get more advice on that. And I think that is an excellent note to end on. Andre, thank you so much for your time today. I appreciate it. And yeah, I think everyone who's listening to this podcast is going to get some great insights in regards to not only what it's like for your experience, but also how to get into software engineering. 
Thanks so much for having me. It was really fun. Thank you for listening to Black Tech Unplugged. I'm Dina McKay, and you can find the show on all social media platforms under Black Tech Unplugged. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to the podcast on whatever platform you're listening to this episode. And if you have a few extra minutes, make sure to leave a five-star review too. It will help me out a lot and help other people find the podcast. Until next time.